All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. The verses will be on the screen. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, there's only two sections today in the message that you will actually need a Bible to where the words will not be on the screen. And it's going to be in Revelation chapter 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to use those little ribbons in your Bible to mark your place. But that'll be later on in the message. Today, as we're coming back to Daniel, as, as you notice, I'm not getting bogged down in the, the verse by verse, which I like to do the expository approach. Uh, this time in Daniel, I'm giving kind of big macro views of what's going on. And in doing so, we've kind of zoomed out and we're looking at things from a, just a, you know, like a 30,000 foot vantage point. Today, I've entitled the message, Daniel, then quote, occult wisdom. Because you'll see in the kingdom of Babylon, there's these astrologers, what we would call like new agers, there's magicians, there's sorcerers, uh, there's basically occultists. And they have wisdom and knowledge, but it's very differentiated from the wisdom that's been um, downloaded, per se, to Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, but specifically Belteshur, which is Daniel. Um, Daniel is his Hebrew name. Belteshur is his uh, Chaldean Babylonian name. If you look on the screen in verse 19 of Daniel chapter 1, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their, that's their Hebrew name before the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, they stood before the king. And remember, the context is, is Nebuchadnezzar laid siege on Jerusalem. And there was three different incursions that took place. Finally, God gave them over into Babylon because God is ultimately the one that's using Babylon for his own purposes. Though the king thinks he's God, God is going to demonstrate that actually he's God. And so it's a little bit of a showdown there. So God is using this kingdom, per se, which was the biggest and baddest of the day, and he gives them over uh, to the hands of the Babylonians, and Israel is now in the captivity. In doing so, to keep kind of um, some liaison and some, some go-between between the Hebrews or the nation of Israel that are now being held captive and the Babylonians, he would pick the, the finest Jewish youths uh, from that people group that he's just conquered, and he would sequester them, and he would put them in his own mystery school. It's kind of like a deprogramming. And to kind of get them caught up in Babylonian culture, Babylonian knowledge, Babylonian wisdom. In other words, it was like it was an ancient mystery secret society school. And he would give them all of this wisdom so that they would be well versed in the culture in which now they're going to be communicating in the court of the king and then kind of translate that to the people that are now subjugated to King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. But if you look in verse 20, it says, And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. Because you remember in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart to not eat of the king's meat and drink of the king's wine, most probably because it was dedicated to false gods, and the, the, the most salient god or the chief god of the Babylonians was Marduk, which if you'll know anything about pantheons and uh, polytheism, all these gods are just recycled. The main god of Egypt becomes the main god of uh, Babylon, which becomes the main god of Greece, which becomes the main god of Rome, and though it could be Zeus or Isis or Horus, or it could, they could be recycled and shifted around. So the bottom line is it's not Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's this pantheon of false gods 
um, just being shuffled around. But needless to say, uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew children said, we're going to by faith not eat this, but if you see that we look worse off going with this vegan, um, you know, uh, what's that mystery meat that, that was really popular like a year ago, Beyond, we're, <laughs> we're going to just go eat our Beyond meat and, and we'll, we'll be soy boys, right? For <laughs> we'll be the soy boys for these 10 days. And look at, he kind of put, put it out there. He said, if we look worse off, and you could be the judge of this, then you know, do, with, do with us what you will. Not only did they look better, but they were smarter, they were sharper, uh, they were better at all. The king himself says they're 10 times better than all the occultists. All the astrologers, all the palm readers, all the Ouija board users, all the, all these, the, you know, all these pagan sort of offshoots of fallen, fallen demonic um, uh, intellect, they advance ten times more. Well, go to the next slide. The Book of Daniel. Go to the next one. So let's look at this because. Looking at this big bird's eye view, <laughs> big bird, <laughs> two of these cities are not like the other. Which <laughs> so we, we're going to look at this from the tale of two cities type of view, which I think was that a Charles Dickens uh, book at one time. But I'm using Jerusalem and Babylon in this tale of two cities. It's interesting because in the first book of the Bible, you read about Babylon. In the last book of the Bible, you read about Babylon. The Bible opens with Babylon and closes with Babylon. In the Bible, Babylon appears 290 times. It's the most mentioned city of any city ever recorded in the Bible besides Jerusalem. This first city that we find that we, we discover in um, Genesis chapter 10. It's the, the house or the seat of the first world government. It's the house and the seat of the first world religious headquarters. And it is mentioned only second to Jerusalem. It's referred to commonly known as the city of man, whereas Jerusalem is referred to as the city of God. It appears in the first book of the Bible and in the last book of the Bible. I just said that. Metaphorically, we can see it very clearly as the tale of two, city, two cities, one of God and then one of the man of perdition. So what does this mean? The Samaritan name of the city we know as Babel or Babylon was Babylon, and that means the gate of the deity or gate and passageway of gods. It was also called the Temple of Nimrod in the Talmud. It also means confusion, rebellion, and chaos in, in the Hebrew which we know, Mystery Babylon, the mother of all occult and false religions, has as its most prominent teaching, order out of chaos. And I think that's a very interesting sort of concept. Order out of chaos. And this is kind of modus operandi for things today, order out of chaos. But if you look at things like a crisis and then a managed result or managed crisis, it comes from this occult idea, order out of chaos, birth way back there in Babylon. But the thing that I wanted to point out is that the, the idea of Babylon is that it's a gateway to the gods, or it's the gate of the deity. Because when you read about in chapter 10, about Babylon in chapter 11, this tower that's being built up, it's not as though they thought that they were going to get into heaven by architecture. What they really thought it was they were building a ziggurat, in other words. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But just as in the beginning, Babylon was the headquarters of a one-world religion, as the mother of rebellion and the occult, so it will be in the end where mystery Babylon and the woman who rides the beast. So in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, in the last days, this city is going to be rebuilt, and it's going to be kind of the epicenter again of world religion and false pagan teaching. But before we get there, yeah, go to the next slide, where we look at 
Nimrod, the founder of the original city, Babel, which where Nebuchadnezzar now is at Babylon, where he's taking Israel captive. But his wife was called Ishtar, also known as Semiramis. Ishtar is where we get the word Easter from. So Nimrod and his wife Ishtar, Semiramis, um, did not have a son named Tammuz, but I'll tell you a little dirty secret about this whole story, which I think you'll find interesting. Philo, or Philo, and Josephus and Augustine, and much of the, the Talmudic Hebrew writers, as well as the Epic of Gilgamesh, a parallel story to Nimrod and the flood, thousands of years ago, all report that Nimrod was a rebel, defiant towards God and the God of Noah, for bringing the flood upon the offspring of the fallen angel uh, uh, and the fallen angels of God, or the, the fallen angel gods. So he was basically rallied against this idea post-flood for why God had caused the flood in the, in, in the first place. So his city and government and tower was not a tower, but a ziggurat or a portal to the gate of God. Go to the next slide, I think. Yeah. So look at this proposed modern ziggurat. You know about the Great Pyramid of Giza. You know about, you know, pyramids of old and old megaliths. Um, but what a ziggurat really was, what a pyramid really was, was it was kind of like an end, it was like, I call them a satanic antenna. <laughs> They really believed that they were able to channel in fallen angels. They really believed that they were able to communicate uh, with uh, the gods, so to speak, or demons, uh, so to speak. And so that's what these pyramids really had in mind. So the account of Nimrod and the birth of the occult religious wisdom uh, system is that his wife Ishtar did not have a son while he was alive. So the saying goes, the, the legend goes, that as, after Nimrod died, she was very worried about the rule and reign of Babylon. So she got herself pregnant, had a son named Tammuz, spread the fake news that she was, that was born of a virgin, or she somehow resurrected Nimrod, and that they, they were able to conceive and bear the son. Now, I think this is, very in, this is very interesting because not only is this misinformation and fake news, but now she deemed herself the virgin mother. Interesting, correct? Now she's considered the queen of heaven. Go to the next slide. So you'll see here, queen of heaven. This is the Babylonian queen of heaven, Semiramis, on the other side, or Ishtar, with her infant son, and she wears the sun uh, on her head like a crown. And on the right, you have the queen of heaven with her infant son, so also has the sun around her head. If you were to type in right now in Google or whatever, queen of heaven, and you know where you could do like the web search or the image search? If you were to do queen of heaven and do image search, you're going to get hundreds of images, not of Ishtar and Tammuz, you're going to get it of Mary and a little baby. Remember how I said, like, these things just recycle itself? They just recycle, they recycle, they recycle, they recycle. When we're thinking about Babylon, it is the mother of harlots. It is the mother of false religion. It is the mother of occult teaching. It is the mother of these false ideas. And it's this parallel substitute going on. And if you recall, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, basically everyone had to go to the principal's office, and God set Adam down, Eve down, and the serpent who deceived them, and he told them that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and through Jesus, all the nations would be blessed, and he was going to, he was going to reconcile and bring back mankind that had fallen in the garden where Adam failed. Jesus would come, be born of a virgin, and succeed. So this demonic, like, sort of, fake attempt at an like unholy trinity or this sort of virgin birth, the devil knew. So don't let people tell you, oh, the, the Christian story is just, 
You know, they're just kind of stealing that from the Babylonians or whatever, or the Egyptians. Don't let people deceive you. This was demonic. The devil knew this. So both the Queen of Heaven and Tammuz show up hundreds and hundreds of years later that mixed itself, not only in the, in the cultures around, but also found itself in, in Israel. Go to the next slide, if you will. Look at this. The children gather wood and the fathers kindle fire. The women knead their dough and they make cakes to the queen of heaven to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. What God is doing is he's allowing them to see this false idea has crept in to the nation of Israel. Go to the next slide, if you will. Tammuz, supposedly this offspring of a virgin birth, the virgin mother of the queen of heaven, Semiramis, who was the wife of um, Nimrod, who was the king of Babylon, or Babel, the, the inventor of world religion, they, they find this, look at this, as Ezekiel has been given inspiration by the Holy Spirit, look at this next slide. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, the temple, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz, then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. So what God does with Ezekiel is he takes him in, and he, it's almost like what was going on. They have this occult rituals going on, and Ezekiel didn't know this, so God gives him kind of like this POV view of what's going on behind the scenes. And he says, Look, this is how corrupt they've gotten. This, this started way back in Genesis, but look, they're still worshiping this false deity, this false god, um, who the queen of heaven says that she gave birth to and, and uh, conceived him, not having sexual relations at all. This immaculate conception, so to speak. I'd like for you, if you would, at this time, this is one of the passages that you'll need to turn to, so this great whore, as the Bible calls it, in Revelation chapter 17, shows up again at the end of times, in the last days. So in, Gen or in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great whore, the great prostitute, who is seated on many waters, meaning this, this influence is... It's international, it's global, with whom the kings, plural, uh, of the earth have committed sexual immorality, not only physically, because this is kind of, you know, you could think of sex trafficking, you could think of prostitution, but also think of um, fornication and adultery in a spiritual sense as well. And with the wine uh, of those who, uh, whose sexual immorality and the dwellers on earth have become drunk. They become intoxicated with this woman that's uh, representing this beast system or this, the Babylonian way. And he says, the dwellers on earth have become drunk and they carried me away into the spirit, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a, uh, sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. So... In other words, the system would be very religious, but one thing they don't approve of is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They will only blaspheme that. And it had seven heads and ten horns, which we'll get to later in Daniel, because this is a, this is a prophecy of these, these kingdoms and these rulers that rise up. But the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, a symbol of royalty, and, ador and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, and holding in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations and impurities of her sexual immorality, and on her forehead was written a name, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of whores, prostitutes, and of the earth's abomination. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the, martyr of the martyrs of Jesus. Mystery Babylon, the, the, the mother of all whores and prostitutes. And don't just think like sexual work in the streets, right? Um, she is the mother of all adulterous, blasphemous, 
false religions. It comes from here. That's where it, that's where it started. It's, it's Genesis was in Genesis, and it kind of it atrophies a little bit, and then it resurges in the last days. And I'll just tell you right now, I think, in my own opinion, what's going on is I don't think people are going to become more atheistic and more, uh, you know, they're, they're, I don't think they're going to be thinking like the things aren't, uh, everything just needs to be empirical and scientifically validated. I think people are going to get more and more and more spiritual uh, in this post-enlightenment time that we live in. I think people are going to be more um, bent towards uh, supernatural things and spiritual things, they're going to be given all of that stuff except Jesus. It's anything but Jesus. So I just want you to be aware of that. Because in these last days, if we are indeed living in these last days, go to the next slide. We need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves in these last days. Go to the next one. So in Daniel 12, at the end of the book, he says, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. They'll be able to travel freely around the globe, and knowledge shall increase. Go to this next slide. Go back really quick. Do the up arrow. Look at the last phrase of Daniel 12.3. And knowledge shall increase. One of, the, one of the markers of last day living is knowledge will increase. And I was thinking about this earlier in the sense that we did this UFO dis disclosure thing a while ago because the guy, uh, David Grush, came out and said, hey, I have one of the highest rankings in the U.S. government, and I presented my case to Congress, and they said you could share all that you can, but you can't disclose um, uh, you know, classified information. He went to the DNI, the Department of National Intelligence, the DOD, Department of Defense, uh, the Pentagon, Congress, and they all said, sure, share it, share it. And then he came out and he said, okay, we've, we've had alien technology for the last 60 years, and we've been reverse engineering all of their craft. And by the way, we have some of these, uh, these pilots that were piloting these craft, and our technology is advanced because we've, we've stolen it from aliens. You believe that? Are you buying that? I'm not. But evidently, that's the, that's the official narrative that's been told. That's been authorized by the government. They said, sure, go for it. Tell the people. You can't see the evidence. You can't touch it, feel it. Do I think that we have highly advanced technology that we're not fully aware of? 100%. I think if they fully disclosed um, what they really have, we would, be, we would think like that is from outer space because it's, it's so far down what we really know down the road. But what I want to bring up is in the last days... Knowledge will increase. Have you ever heard of the, um, the knowledge doubling curve? Go to the next slide. The knowledge doubling curve. I don't know if you can see that. But the knowledge doubling curve is, is kind of explained like this. The future is arriving faster than any time before to a degree that we all feel like we cannot keep up with what's going on in the world. For instance, Buckminster Fuller, the famous American architect and futurist, was right about the knowledge doubling curve. So in the year 1900, knowledge had doubled every century or every 100 years. In the middle of that, by 1945, it was doubled every 25 years. By the 1980s, it was doubling, knowledge was doubling every 12 months or every year. IBM has confirmed that in 2020, knowledge began to double every 12 hours. So Daniel, God tells Daniel, Daniel, you, you've predicted before it came the Greco-Roman Empire, the Persian Empire. Uh, he predicted all the empires, all the kingdoms, and then he has these mystery beasts and, 
and the, the ten horns, or I mean the, the seven heads with ten horn kingdoms, and, and the, the last one of his vision that we'll get to all this was the iron mixed with clay, some sort of hybrid sort of mixture that are not compatible. And he says, all, all the things that Daniel was predicting, even to the very day that Jesus was crucified, Daniel was accurate. Daniel was accurate. And he says that the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to deceive people by peace. He's going to sign a peace treaty for seven years with the Middle East. And all the nations are going to agree to it. In the middle of that, it's going to be the abomination of desolation, which Jesus validates Daniel because Jesus himself quotes the book of Daniel, validating the book of Daniel. And so... God says to Daniel, Daniel, you've been accurate with all the kings that you served under. And I think he served under at least four of them uh, in Babylon. He kind of outlived them all. And he said, you've been accurate on everything to then, to after then, and to the things that haven't even happened yet. But he said, seal this up because in the very last days, when this starts to um, come to pass, people that are righteous are going to be able to see this and they're going to turn to other people and cause them to see it and to become righteous. But also knowledge is going to, it's going to exponentially just increase like a hockey stick. It's been going linear, linear, linear. Not much progress, not much progress. Ooh, industrial revolution. Ooh, fourth industrial revolution. Ooh, wait, great reset. Ooh, wait, what's the singularity about? What's all of these technologies converging for one purpose? What's going on? And Daniel says, just, God says to Daniel, seal it, and then knowledge will increase in the last days at an exponential rate. It'll just keep growing and growing and growing. Here's some interesting statistics. The human brain has seven or several billion petabytes to index in your brain. God made your brain a supercomputer. The internet, for example, has 5 million terabytes of information on it. The amount of the internet indexed by Google is approximately 200 terabytes, or 0.004% of the total internet. So when you think about it in those terms, there's a lot of untapped stuff yet to tap but knowledge, at the rate that it's increasing, it's doubling every 12 hours. And that was based on a 2020 um, metric. So the question is then, if knowledge is increasing, who is inspiring the one that's inspiring us? Or where is this source of knowledge coming from? Now, in a sense, knowledge is kind of amoral. It's neutral. You could use the knowledge to do good, or you could use the knowledge to do bad. It's like, it's like a, a, you know, the people that we had here working for the lady that invented CRISPR technology, gene editing. You could go in and take out a defective gene in the, the DNA structure of someone, and you could, from a supercomputer, uh, write it, copy it, and then paste it back into their their genomic double helix structure. And you could essentially get rid of a defective gene that would give them sickle cell anemia and, and help them. Or, with that same knowledge, you could then program, I only want blonde hair, blue-eyed people, six foot four, buff and ripped like Neil. <laughs> You're like, wait, you have no hair. You're not buff. And you're definitely not six foot four. Well, you wait till I get a hold of some CRISPR technology. And I'm going to make everyone after my image. But you can see how that, that technology, she says she has night frights as she's let the genie out of the bottle or the toothpaste out of the tube. It can't go back. But that knowledge is here to genetically modify not only the human race, but animals and things like that. So knowledge can be used for good, or knowledge can be used for evil. James chapter 3 puts it this way, and I've brought this up before. It's kind of my standard by which I gauge where does it all come from. James 3 said, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false, uh, false to the truth. 
This is not the wisdom that comes down from above from God. It is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there would be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial, and, since, and it is sincere. So we gotta, we got to look where the sources are. Now, there's lesser wisdom, and I think these next two slides, Chloe, you got to go. Okay, go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go, go to the next one. Okay. So this is going to take a little bit to explain, but I'm going to kind of do it fast. Basically, in occult thinking, and this kind of it went all the way to the people that Daniel was put over, all of the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the occultists, because they didn't know what Daniel knew because he, he had his information from God. What these schools of thought think, or these secret societies, so to speak, think, is there was these basic seven sciences. These would be taught in not only our normal schools, but in mystery schools. These seven sacred sciences, they believe, were given to Adam, who he gave to his three sons. But of course, Cain killed Abel, but then he had Seth as well. So this, this knowledge that they think was given to from God to Adam, that he gave to his kids, this, this infinite, not infinite, like he's God, but this very powerful knowledge on, on how to do things and how the world works. But he, they believe this, that grammar was one of them, rhetoric or storytelling, logic, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. And you read about this in Genesis chapters, I think it's chapter 4 and chapter 5, where a lot of this stuff starts advancing. But he gives this to his sons, um, Cain, Abel, and Seth, so the, so the story goes. And there's nothing wrong with grammar, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, music, astronomy. But these secret societies have taken knowledge and used it and used it for evil rather than good. For example, Cain then, of course, kills his brother, but then he has a, a son. There's two Enochs, by the way. There's a good Enoch and there's a bad Enoch in the Bible. The good one. Um, was the seventh descendant from Adam, lived 365 years, and then was taken up to heaven by God. But the other one, uh, the Enochian son of Cain, uh, he took this knowledge and kind of corrupted it. So he taught, this is where the, all the mystery schools go back to, and the people that are called adepts, they kind of go back and they want to look at how did, how did this fallen, how could we preserve this fallen knowledge and occult wisdom? For example, they think that even the stuff that the, the evil Enoch wrote is under the pyramids, the great pyramids of Giza. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of disclosure. But all the secret societies and mystery schools have taken these ideas, like for astronomy, for example, and perverted it into astrology, palm reading, uh, horoscopes, things of that nature. There's nothing wrong with astronomy. But, you know, if you start making it your God and you start letting it lead your life, there could be something wrong with it. Geometry. The Freemasons have hijacked geometry and they turned it into something totally, completely different uh, than what someone would normally uh, approach these seven basic sciences with. So these, these occult teachings really believe that God and Lucifer, the dragon, the serpent, the devil, are equals and that God is actually the tyrant. And so what, what Enoch was doing with, uh, not the good Enoch, the evil one, what he was doing was he was basically saying, yeah, God is bad because look at how much of a dictator he is. Look at how limiting he is. And he kind of flips the script and he gets people to think that God is the evil one and Lucifer is the good one. 
And if you were to talk to someone in the occult today that was maybe a part of a secret society and they're, they're on the path to enlightenment, no matter what it is, they really think the light that they're seeking and the good that they're seeking and the good that they're doing, even if it looks benevolent, is actually because they're, they're on a good path because, because God's bad and the devil's good. <laughs> you see how twisted that is? And you've got to think in the last days there's going to be a mass deception over the world and people are going to somehow think that God's bad and the devil's good. So much so that they will worship the Antichrist, the beast, and they'll listen to the woman that rides the beast that tells them this is what's going on. This is the narrative. You've been tricked. You've been fooled. And so people will line up by the droves with their right hands out or their foreheads out and they will be ready to worship. Just like in the time of Babylon, when King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm the God, look at my, look at my, my 90-foot statue that I built to myself, and when you hear the music and you, worship, and you don't fall down to worship it, you will be killed. So whether it's by fear or whether it's by faith, people fall for it. They fall for it. Now, go to the next slide. So... What we're talking about is the wisdom of the occult that would have been with the people surrounding Daniel in the king's court. And the word esoteric, which is the opposite of exoteric, if you look, I don't know because it's kind of small, it's intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with specialized knowledge or interest limited to a small circle. Now, I'm not picking on target because I don't think this is that's fair because the, the name Target, they have a Target as their logo. But that symbol is the oldest occult symbol in the world. I don't know if you knew that. What this circle within a circle means is the inside circle has this knowledge, this insight, this wisdom. And the outside circle, or the mundanes, the people that don't have this enlightenment, don't have this knowledge. So, I want you to see this next verse. Go to this next slide. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says in the last days or the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. That's why I say there's going to be a resurgence, not of, not of like false, not of thinking like, nah, nothing spiritual, nothing supernatural. People are going to go headlong into it, so much so, that they will think that they're on the path of enlightenment. Now, I want to say this as I speed up here. Joseph, not here, would have been taught this and known this in Egypt. Solomon would have been, he would have known these things. Moses, who also taught in these mystery schools and in occult wisdom, he would have known this. Daniel and the three Hebrew children would have been taught in these mystery schools with these sacred sciences and, and this path of enlightenment, this occult fallen angel type stuff. They would have known all this stuff. See, these, these four Hebrew children were trained for three years in this Babylonian mystery school, but they also knew the wisdom of God. Go to the next slide. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, um, but this is, where, this is where secret societies come into play. And whatever you think about them, that's fine. I don't want to go into great detail. I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, but they really believe they have been all the way back before the flood, this wisdom and this knowledge that was given to these guys, they really believe that they're preserving it, but it's so esoteric that only they could know it. This is where you're, tra this is where you're trained magic and sorcery. They have a left-hand path. It is. It's called a LHP, a left-hand path, and they have a right-hand path. They think one is a good path and one is a bad path. So you could use it for either good or evil, not knowing that it comes from the same source. It's the same source. It's satanic. But they don't think that. They don't think that they're evil. They really think that they're serving the right thing. And so with good intentions, these secret societies have sort of preserved this knowledge that goes way back to Babylon. Okay, go to the next slide. Now here's something I want to point out. Daniel, however, he knew about these, this, 
Enochian, fallen angel, demonic teaching. He knew about it. He was trained in it. And he would have known about sorcery, magic. He would have known all about it. He was trained. He was deprogrammed to, to, to know what they know. He was in a secret society. He was in the mystery schools of, of fallen knowledge. <clears throat> but look at what the Bible says about Daniel. First of all, they were youths without blemish of good appearance. This is about the Hebrew children. Skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Pagan culture. Same chapter, verse 17. As for these four youths, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Okay, now wait a second. We're having, we're having a little bit of a competition here. The, the devil, the demons, they, they're working behind the scenes, appealing to man's pride, giving them secret knowledge, giving them this path of enlightenment, thinking they're expanding their consciousness and they're, they're, they're pulling back the curtain and they're seeing how things really work. And they're, they're, they're preserving their, their satanic cults, thinking that they're doing good, being deceived all the time. Yet these guys come along against their will, forced to learn this culture, but God says, go ahead and learn it, but I'm going to teach you something even better. Because there's the wisdom that comes from below, and there's the wisdom that comes from above. And we're going to have a clash of these two wisdoms. Daniel 1.20, And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. So everyone from the occult schools of Babylon, which would have been the elite, these would have been the elite of the elite. When they stood toe-to-toe with Daniel and the four children, who knew what they knew, but they, they had a wisdom that came down from God. These other guys had a wisdom that came up from the pit. See, the, de- the demons and the fallen angels, they don't have omnipresent anything or omni-skills. They're not omniscient. They're, om- not, they're not omnipotent. They could only fake it. They know, they know more than we do but they don't know what God knows. God knows the future, and they don't, so they have to pretend. They have to fake it. That's why, like, fortune tellers and, you know, Ouija boards and all that occult stuff, it's, it's kind of, it could be right every once in a while, like a broken clock, but it can't be 100% accurate. So the magicians, the occult, occultists, and the sorcerers, go to the next slide. They did not know. They did not know. Go to the next slide. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers came in and told them the dream. But they could not make known to me its interpretation. This is the king. He's getting really angry. He's like, what? why are you on my payroll? Why are you eating my food, taking up my space? You can't even, you can't even give me what I'm paying you to do. So these, these very highly intelligent people Advanced, like, think about like Aleister Crowley, you know, think about evil, like, intelligent people. But the king is like, he's the ruler of, of the known world at the time. He's like, you can't even, you stinking occult magician sorcerers don't know Jack, right? He's just bugged by it. The king called loudly to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. And, you know, they're like, oh, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to figure it out. And the demons are, that are behind the scene that are inspiring them, who's inspiring the one that's inspiring you? They're like, oh, you know, doing their rituals and whatever they're cutting, and they're, they're doing their circles and their pentagrams. And what? Just tell us, because we're going to get in trouble. And the demons are like, I don't know. We don't know the future either. Only God knows the future. And, who, and he says, okay, whoever reads the writing and shows me this, remember the writing on the wall? And the king was like, I need to know what this is all about shall be clothed with purple and have the chain of gold about it. He's like, you're going to get a huge promotion. Just come forward. I'm paying you to do this kind of stuff. Now do what I'm paying you to do. Then all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. The intellectual cultic elite from the secret societies with the mystery schools with advanced degrees and advanced knowledge in dark arts doesn't know squat. So go to the next slide. 
The greater wisdom comes from above. It comes from God. And I want to show you this, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and the knowledge to those who have understanding. He does. He reveals deeps and hidden things. He knows what, what is in the darkness, and, and, the, and uh, the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me uh, what, what is asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. See, the occultists couldn't pull it off, but Daniel, humble Daniel, he knew all the occult people knew, and he's like, oh, whatever. I'm going with God, not fallen gods. Daniel chapter 4, verse 8, it should be up there. At last, Daniel came in before me, who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. This is what he's saying. It's not what is really in Daniel. And I told him the dream, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians. See, Daniel was promoted above all the, these occultists. Because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in, in their interpretation. So the king, because all he knows is paganism and false gods and fallen gods, he's, he's ascribing these abilities to some god he doesn't know. He's like, I don't know who this god is, but whoever, because you've got to be one of the gods. And that's been in culture and religion all over the planet and all the history. You can't escape it. It's what they all believe. But Daniel was connected to the one true and living God. He's the uncreated God. And he did make lesser beings that were little g gods that deceived the people, but they're created beings and they have limited insight. Daniel chapter 5, next verse, verse 11. There is a man in your kingdom when, when the king was inquiring about who could tell me? I'm paying my stupid occultists and they, they just stink at their job. <laughs> I'm interpreting what he's saying. Can someone help me out here? Isn't there anyone in my kingdom? And of course, this is, this is a, f a few kings removed from uh, the original when Daniel was a teenager. In the days of your father, uh, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. Think of every occult, magical... All that modern, all the movies you guys watch and I watch too, all the stuff. And you think, you think that stuff is like, oh, that's science fiction, that's so cute. They didn't think it was cute back then. They, they, they thought it was real, and it was real, and it is real. It's just Hollywood now, but it's not going to be for long. So Daniel knew the real God, and he knew the real wisdom. They said, well, he's got some sort of insight that our gods don't. What is it? And so one of them is saying, hey, your, your father, your, your granddad, he tapped him for wisdom because he knew something that none of the other occultists did. Daniel chapter 5, verse 14 on the screen. I've heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So you can see that polytheism still kind of persisted in that culture, but uh, Daniel always ascribed praise and honor to God, and he never took it for himself. Now, King Solomon had access and insight to God's infinite wisdom. The, King Solomon's been tripping me out lately. I, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. I kind of just had him kind of relegated to, man, he, he knew some stuff, yeah. Well, look at how much he kind of knew. Look at this next slide. King Solomon had this wisdom that came from above, not from below, he ended up turning it for bad, and then he came back and turned it back for good. He had, a, he had a wild season there for a while. But let's look at what the Bible says about the wisdom of Solomon. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of the mind like the sand of the seashore. Remember those billions of petabytes? Like, he had all this wisdom. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. So all these occult, secret societies, mystery school, wizard, sorcerers, philosophers, intellects, whatever. He had them beat in spades, and he lists some of that. 
He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. We're not going to round that down. <laughs> he spoke of trees. So he knew of, what's that, botany? Um, he was a forester. <laughs> I don't know. He knew the cedars of Lebanon and the, all the stuff that grew. And beasts. Uh, he knew of agriculture, anthropology, zoology. You could name all of the disciplines of learning that you would go to school and take you years to get a, a PhD degree in. He just had it like the Matrix, downloaded. Oh, I know Kung Fu. The people of all the nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. You know how humbling that would be? Because most kings thought they were the bee's knees. Like, dude, I'm king. What's up? I don't know of a king but me. I don't know what kind of attitude the kings had. That was maybe more, more gang talk than king talk. But you know how humbling that would be? You were going to travel just to hear this guy's wisdom? Now go to the next slide. Thus... In 1 Kings 10.23, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought, the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. He was the world wide web. You have, the, you have that power in your pocket. You're like, wait, what's zoology? Do, 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 do. Oh, okay, it's a study of animals. Okay, okay. Well, they didn't have that back then. They had Solomon. <laughs> he knew like everything there was to know. God downloaded it to him. And this wisdom didn't come from below. Like the Bible says, there's two types of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from below. It's devilish. It's demonic. And it shows up that you'll know, you'll know by its fruits because it's jealous. It's envy. It's proud. There's division. There's strife. It's not... It's not easy, but the wisdom that comes from God, it's peaceful, it's easy to receive, it's without partiality, it's, ha it's reasonable. And so we got to move on here. So I'm going to close with three verses, Ecclesiastes, Corinthians, and then Colossians. But first, the peace that Jesus gives is not of this world. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but my peace I live with you. Not as the world gives, but my peace I leave with you. So there's a peace that's of the world, and then there's a peace that's not of this world. It's from God. It's the peace that passes understanding. But Jesus also, he gives the wisdom that's not of this world, but that could also transform this world. Now, taking a page out of the wisest man on earth, his insight... Let's go to Ecclesiastes 9, and look at this wisdom. So Solomon, he's writing about this wisdom. And he says, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, Ecclesiastes 9.13. And it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few people in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, and built great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise are heard and quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler amongst fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Even while I'm reading this, I'm thinking about the shouting of Adolf Hitler and the destruction that comes from that. And that there's other people that had, there's just other wisdom that's from God versus the shouting of, of rulers that have the wisdom that are from below. Now we, by way of application, have access to the same source of wisdom that Daniel had, that Moses had, that Solomon had, that Peter had, that Paul had, and even Jesus, if we want it. We have the, the access to the same wisdom. You don't need to go to a place to find it. You just go to the person, the person whom all of this wisdom is found. Go to the, go to the next slide. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
This will be the, the last verse you'll turn to. I just have one more slide, and then we're good. We're good to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise, God says? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Jesus Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. Did you catch that? Verse 24, Christ, the power of God. Christ, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Much like Daniel and all of the occult intellectual elites of his day, they didn't know squat. And God just used the foolishness of Daniel, this little teenager, and said, God, I don't know, will you make it known to me? And God did, because God knows everything. And he shut the mouths of the proud. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Did you catch that? Jesus has been made unto us wisdom from God. He is our wisdom. Last verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul's prayer for this church is said that your hearts would be encouraged, knit together. You'd have unity and love to reach all the riches and the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. There's a mystery school, and, there, and it's kind of a, it's an imitation because the light they're seeking is Lucifer, and they think they don't really know it in the beginning. If it's exoteric, you're going to be pulled into it because you don't know. If you knew it was about Lucifer, you would run. But once it becomes um, esoteric, the inside knows what the outside doesn't. That's why it's a secret society. Inside, they know it's Lucifer, but they think it's good. Outside, they don't know. But we have a mystery. We have a mystery. And it's Christ Jesus, the same sort of mystery that Daniel had, but they didn't know. They're like, where is he getting this from? Which one of the gods is he getting this from? You could say, which one of the fallen angels or demons is he getting it from? But they didn't think it was bad. They're like, which one of the gods? The gods are benevolent, aren't they? The gods are here to help us. We're... Really, kill a baby. Let's get more information. You know, <laughs> sacrifice that person. Let's get some more information. More blood. Let's get some information. What well, the gods need to help us, but we have something better. We have a direct line of communication to the source of all wisdom and God's mystery, which is Christ. In Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The thing of it is, Indiana Jones. What are you seeking? Who or what are you passionate about seeking? Do you want this wisdom? Does it even appeal to you? You know, the Pafford family proverb challenge is still going on. <laughs> uh, we, we missed a day or two, but we're still we're in chapter 9. We just text a proverb to the family. It goes on in a group text. And I've been enjoying that because it's the book of wisdom. Tomorrow is uh, July 10th, and so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 10. But we have this access. We have this wisdom. If you want it and if you desire it, let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for...
this overview, so to speak, the tale of two cities, Babylon, this mother of harlot, this queen of heaven, which there is no such thing, this self-promotion, this fallen wisdom, this wisdom that comes from below versus your wisdom that so definitively contrasted because it's a, it's a wisdom that's based in love and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faith and meekness and peace. Lord, help us to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world that's just lost. They just don't know. And help us to desire to seek the kingdom of God first and to know all these things will be added unto us if we just put our faith and trust in you. I pray that you bless our church. For those that couldn't be here today, I pray you'd encourage them. For those of us are, I pray today would, would, would have been encouraging in some way and that some thoughts could come from this that they could ponder and motivate, uh, motivate even more. Lord, I pray that you build our church, encourage us, help us financially, help us numerically, help us uh, physically, uh, so that we could be good stewards of your good news. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.